It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every Yeah, I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Tuesday edition of Lockdown Rams. We're excited to be back this week. Got lots to talk to, lots of people to talk to. Don't forget, you can check out all of our podcasts on the new streaming app, Himalaya. Go download it, check it out. All of Lockdown Podcast Network is up there. Your team every day. Only on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Today we've got a mix of a few things. We're going to catch up on some of the happenings that have gone on over the past couple of days uh, in the Rams world and elsewhere around the NFL. We are also really excited to be having Isaiah Holon from Lockdown Wolverines as we're going to pick his brain a little bit on one of our newest draft picks, David Long of the University of Michigan. Get his thoughts on what David's been or what he brought to the Wolverines over the past couple years. Kind of what Michigan did in the draft in general and maybe a couple different ways that we could have gone in that draft. Just his opinion on that. And in fact, I want to mention that NFL.com came out with their all-rookie team. This is their preseason all-rookie team, obviously. And two of the Rams made that list. That was our first draft pick in the second round, Taylor Rapp from University of Washington, and our third round pick, David Long, cornerback, who we're really excited about, uh, made the list as well. So kind of cool to see those two names pop up there. Also, a little side note as we kind of continue to break down this draft and see grades come through and see different analysts talk about it. Mel Kuyper, obviously you know him from all of his draft coverage with ESPN, He named Greg Gaines as an instant impact rookie, a guy to keep an eye on, which I'm super excited about that because that's another guy I'm really high on coming into this season, another guy we think can fill that D-line, kind of a plug-and-play guy, replacing the likes of Indomitian Sue, who has yet to still sign, but we can imagine that him, Ziggy Anza, and a few other those big names that are still left will be signing soon as starting today, as you listen to this, Any free agent signed will not go against compensation for a compensatory pick. So if you grab a guy like Indomitian Sue, you're not going to have to give up a pick to get him. So I think that's where a lot of teams were waiting after the draft to get some of these bigger name guys that they didn't really see a market kind of pushing that they had to make a move now. So start to look for a guy like Indomitian Sue to start to look for a home. And like I mentioned, Ziggy Anza, another one of those guys that... Uh, you know, had a great season last year with the Lions and then now a free agent. So we'll see where those guys land now that teams don't really have to give up much extra. And unfortunately for the Rams, they won't get anything back in return when he is signed elsewhere. A couple other things to note before we get over to our guest is uh, Blake Countess was released after the Rams and him could not renegotiate his $2 million tender. They were asking for him to take a pay cut. Eh, he wasn't all about that. Uh, The Rams also drafted two safeties in this draft, along with Eric Weddle, who they picked up in free agency. That room was starting to get crowded. Obviously, Blake was a big contributor on special teams as well. We saw him returning kickoffs near the end of the year. We saw him 
uh, recover a blocked punt in the end zone versus the Chargers. I was at that game. That was at, actually in that end zone, watching him run away with the football in his hands for a touchdown. It was an awesome play to watch. Uh, he contributed in many areas, but Rams don't have a lot of money left, and they are looking to save some money at all costs, so they released him. He was ended up being claimed by the Eagles, so keep an eye out for the Philadelphia Eagles, see if he can make a roster spot there. Probably a better chance and getting paid a little bit more to his liking. With that move, it opened up a roster spot. So the Rams didn't really address outside linebacker too much in the draft, if at all. Obviously, we saw one linebacker come off the board at the very end. But they went and picked up Josh Carraway. Carraway was a seventh-round pick from the Titans in 2017 out of TCU. He was a two-time All-Big 12 selection for the Horned Frogs, recording 18 career sacks, 26 and a half tackles for loss, and one interceptions. Was waived October of 2017 by the Titans. Landed on the practice squad until December. He was released last September and was signed to the Redskins practice squad for a couple months. And here we are. He's a good athlete. Six foot three, 242 pounds. He hasn't really done anything yet in the NFL. Suited up for just one game in the past two seasons. But he fits the mold of that 3-4 outside linebacker. So we'll see what he can do. Uh, trying to make that 53-man roster, or like we talked about with Blake coming off and being a special teamers guy, uh, they're going to have to fill in those spots, or this is a guy that comes in and pushes other people in camp, aka camp body. Either way, Caraway is the newest member of the Los Angeles Rams, and we look forward to seeing what he can do. And then last but not least, we have brought back linebacker Bryce Hager. Again, as we're talking about lacking depth at the inside or outside linebacker, uh, we know Mark Barron is no longer here. We mentioned drafting Dakota Allen, but that was in the seventh round. Not really expecting him to kind of be a plug-and-play type of guy. So the Rams decided to re-sign Bryce. One-year deal. He was an unrestricted free agent, hanging out there in the free agent market, but no longer. He's been a staple on special teams, so I think this is where uh, really the value for him. He was a seventh-round pick back in 2015. We've seen him in and out of a few games as a backup linebacker. Not a wowing career at this point. 37 total tackles, three pass defended, and one forced fumble. I mean, you can kind of keep your eye for him to compete with guys like Micah Kaiser uh, for that starting job next to Corey Littleton, who obviously dominated last year in that position, in that role, as kind of being the quarterback of the defense. I'm sure we're all excited to see where Corey Littleton can kind of take that next step because last year he really moved forward. There's still things that he can prove in his game, but really excited about Littleton. We're also really excited about Micah Kaiser, a guy that we drafted last year. Didn't get to have much of any playing time. We saw him a little bit on special teams, but he's known coming out of college as being basically a tackle monster. We're excited to see him have an opportunity now that, as we mentioned, Barron's gone. Uh, but these are just moves to kind of add some depth at this position, allow us a little bit of freedom, as well as bringing some competition into camp. So another guy that fits in really well in our special teams room and also can push in the linebacker room as well. All right, with that said, what we're going to do is we're going to jump over. We're going to get a couple words from some sponsors. We'll be back. We're going to have Isaiah Holon from Lockdown Wolverines. We're going to kind of break down the David Long pick, get to know him a little bit more from a guy who watched him over the last couple years. Before we do that, I want to talk to you kind of of the process the Rams are going through right now in hiring and trying to find the right candidate for the job. Not everyone has a less need on their group, so we know hiring can be a challenge. 
But there's one place where you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans through thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate through the site within the first day. And now, my listeners, Lockdown Rams, can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter, the smart way to hire. Can't nobody fail me. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. This is our second segment. We're off and running. We're excited. We have got another Locked On podcaster with us right now, Isaiah Hole from Locked On Wolverines. Isaiah, how you doing? Doing excellent. Uh, Wish I had the L.A. weather. I used to live in L.A., and I I miss that, especially think about the times when I'd come back to Michigan in May. It wouldn't be uh, what it is here right now, which is uh, 50-something and rainy. But uh, you know what? You can't win them all. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. My brother lives out in the Midwest, and every once in a while, even in the past couple weeks I've been getting pictures of snow late in April and I'm like are you kidding me you guys are just getting you know killed out there if it's not snow it's rain but it will come Michigan weather is nice in the in uh, the spring summer and hopefully you guys get some good weather out there yeah the two the two weeks of uh, of summer that we get are just awesome you know <laughs> exactly I, I've been to the big house let's see two or three times now and every time I've been rained on, I couldn't I couldn't exchange the experience for anything because a hundred thousand people going crazy uh, inside that stadium is is an awesome feeling and you know we even snuck down at the student section and felt like kids again as we were chanting with everybody and having fun but great place to see a game and and great place for a lot of talent to come out so you know I want to talk to you about a couple of things obviously our draft pick David Long cornerback uh, coming out so just kind of throwing it over to you your initial thoughts for him where you thought he might fall in this draft and kind of your thoughts on where he got picked and just overall as a player well he went about I guess where I expected him to go in the sense of that's just kind of where he was mocked to go 
somewhere in the third round, mid third round. I, I thought that that was honestly really low considering multiple things. Number one, his production. Uh, he didn't get talked about a lot because he was so locked down when he was a Wolverine that essentially teams stopped throwing anywhere near him for the most part. Uh, I believe he gave up like a grand total of 15 yards or something like that. Uh, this past year, it was not much more than that. The year before uh, pro football focus always had him as their in 2017. They definitely had him as their top cornerback in the country with the uh, lowest passer rating allowed uh, when targeted. Uh, it, and it, it was pretty evident. And then last year uh, it was went down just a little bit, but not by much. I mean, he, he is a guy who thrives in man coverage, uh, which is what Michigan runs in the Don Brown defense. They, they like to play man. Uh, obviously they got burned a little bit with that against Ohio state, but David long still played solidly as did his counterpart on the other side, deliver Hill as a tandem. They were, they basically, you couldn't throw anywhere near them because it was more likely to be an incomplete pass than it was uh, to be a completion. So uh, with that said, he also had a really monster combine. He had the top short shuttle and top three cone drill in the entire combine top 10 in the last uh, 11 years, I believe uh, as far as uh, his numbers in both of those metrics didn't have the fastest uh, 40 yard time, but he ran, I believe a 4.45 or something like that, which was still pretty blazing fast. Uh, maybe just a slight, slightly diminutive compared to some of the other corners that people were looking at, like uh, Justin Lane from Michigan State was 6'2". David Long is a 5'11 guy, uh, but he's he's muscular, but still very lean. He's got a lot to his game that is just everything you're kind of looking for. But I, I just wondered if the reason why people weren't as high on him as they possibly could have been was just due to the fact that he was just a little bit more diminutive than some of the other guys that were out there uh, and maybe not as fast as a greedy Williams, but uh, you know, we, we know that he has that type of ability to be an absolute lockdown guy. So he's an absolute steal in my opinion to go in the third round. I thought he should have been at, at least a solid second round draft choice. Uh, if not, maybe a late first, I don't know what I'm missing there. I don't know what, uh, what more teams want because yeah, you can go and, and say he's, he's shorter or he, you know, has some different things that, uh, from a physicality standpoint that maybe you want a little bit more, but the production speaks for itself, what he was able to do in Ann Arbor. And he did it consistently. Uh, very, very rarely. Uh, what did, was he ever burned? Uh, it, it happened a couple times on some, uh, some underneath routes when he was, you know, may, you know, maybe bit going slightly deep. The only time that I can remember that having uh, played a part was against Northwestern this past year. And, uh, ended up being a pass interference on him. But other than that, for the most part, he was about as solid as it comes from a cornerback position. And Michigan fans are really going to miss him. I don't know that they realize that quite yet. Uh, they've got some other guys in the pike that might soften that blow if they can come out and have the type of uh, type of career that's anywhere close to what David Long was able to do. But there's a reason why he came out early. Obviously, it was justified as a third-round pick. But uh, I'm still surprised that he went as low as he did. Yeah, as a, as a Michigan fan as well, I mean, I'm going to miss him being out there uh, on the field on Saturdays because, right, he was an impact player. I mean, you talked about, you know, the yardage that he gave up last year. And one of my favorite stats that came out from him was he only gave up 18 completions his whole career at University of Michigan, which still, every time I say it, just kind of 
blows my mind. That just doesn't sound right, but that's the type of guy he was. And you mentioned it. They kind of just stopped going his way at certain points, uh, you know, with certain teams as well, because he just, they weren't, they weren't getting any production when they went that way. I'm really excited about also his playmaking ability of once he gets the ball in his hands, you know, if he can get that interception, he is an instant athlete going the other way, which I'm really excited. He talked about some of his combine numbers with the three cone drill and his quickness and how, how well he plays in man. Uh, and it's going to be a good fit here. Obviously, we've got Talib and Peters at the cornerback position. We got Nikhil Roby Coleman, uh, you know, helping out at the nickel and, and really kind of fill in as, as a slot cover there. Uh, but is is there a way that he can get on the field in the first year? Do you see the Rams finding a position to get him on the field? Or do you think he's going to come in, uh, sit back behind some of the veterans and learn? Or do you think this is a guy who can just kick in day one and contribute? I mean, I think, you know, there's obviously a learning curve that comes with uh, playing in the NFL. You're not just playing against, uh, you know, you're not playing against like Purdue's wide wideouts or anything. Maybe that's a bad example because they have got Rondell Moore, who's was excellent as a freshman. We didn't see him uh, this year, but, you know, that the having to go up against the really true best of the best wide receivers, I'm sure there's a little bit of a learning curve. I don't know what the Rams run if they throw in any kind of zone, but he said that he had been working working on quite a bit of uh, trying to make sure that he was adept in zone coverage all uh, this past offseason leading into the NFL draft as well. wants to continue to be a multi-tooled player. Uh, and so I, I do think that there he is a guy that you do have to get on the field relatively quickly. And reading NFL.com this morning even, they they had him as a – potential all rookie selection. You know, they picked 24 guys, 11 offense, 11 defense, and two special teams. And uh, David Long was one of the guys that they said, Hey, this, this guy is going to be someone that's going to see the field. They noted uh, Tlaib's uh, injury history. And they said like, Hey, he's going to have to be able to see the field. And when people can see what he's able to do, uh, it, it's probably a no brainer that he's going to thrive and that they're going to want to try to find ways to get him on the field as often as possible. Uh, I could see the Rams wanting to do something kind of like what Michigan has done in the recent years, which is they've tried to have like a three man rotation at corner and I'm, and it's not just having a nickel out there, but they, uh, since Jim Harbaugh arrived, they've always tried to have three guys that could go. It hasn't always worked out that way. Cause, uh, in 2015 and 2016, there were, uh, injuries that, uh, kept one of the guys out, but in 2016, it was, it started out as, uh, Jordan Lewis, Jeremy Clark, and Channing Stribling, but then Jeremy Clark tore his ACL, and uh, he was done uh, for his Michigan career. Last two years, it was David and Levert, but Brandon Watson, uh, he ended up being in rotation as well and out there about just as, about as much. I could see the Rams really trying to keep guys fresh if they can count on David to come out there and make the kind of impact that he's been able to do so far. And to me, that... He, you know, especially he's, you know, used to being out there a lot. He's probably was the one who played the most out of the three corners, but it's obviously beneficial if you have a guy that is a little bit more rested, uh, like Michigan tried to do with their corners, uh, being able to, uh, being able to come in and, and spell those other guys, give a different look, give a different, uh, different technique, a guy that is really good at jamming at the line of scrimmage and then sticking in the hip pocket of whatever receiver, like I said, I think it's just a matter of him going into practice, playing up against those NFL caliber wide receivers, something that he hasn't had as much practice doing as we saw with the NFL draft. There 
there were some early round picks, Ohio State, but uh, other than that, not a lot. And just a matter of, you know, him getting that experience and showing it on the field. Yeah, I think Aubrey Pleasant, our DB's coach, is going to, you know, find a way to get him involved. I mean, you mentioned the injuries that we went through uh, with Tlaib last year. I think he missed like seven, eight games, something like that. And our, our secondary really, really struggled. I think it's another reason why they went to the position. Not many years left on that contract. I think they're actually both coming into the last year. We're not sure what we want to do with Peters. We want to extend him and get a lot of money. So great time for him to come in. I, I agree with you. I think they're going to try to find a way to rotationally get him in. Also save the legs of Tlaib and Peters, both guys that were banged up last year. And you know, we expect this team to be making a push late in the year for the playoffs. So if they can find a ways to get him a couple – you know, plays off to get this guy in there, one to get some experience and also just throw another healthy body at a wide receiver is getting beat up by, you know, two of the best in the league. So uh, I think it's a great situation for him. Again, I mentioned Aubrey Pleasant is so excited to have him in. Every time he talks about him, he just gets his big old smile and, and he says, my room keeps him getting better and better. And uh, it only makes this team better as well. So I, I do want to add what's really cool about uh, this story too, is that he's a hometown guy. He's from Pasadena. Yep. Uh, you know, the Rams weren't there when he left to come to Michigan, but he gets to go home. He gets to, you know, he played at Loyola high school right there, downtown area. So he just gets to continue that at least until the, the new stadium is built in Inglewood. But he, you know, he gets to, to go home, which is something that guys don't often necessarily get to do. Yeah, it was cool. That was one of the first thing, uh, that Aubrey said on the phone, said, you ready to come home, man? And they kind of had a laugh for a second, and he said, "All right, now it's time to get to work." You know, it was it was a nice little light moment, followed by a you know, "Are you doing push-ups right now?" type of moment. So uh, he's excited <laughs> to come back, and we're excited to have him out here. I mean, just kind of getting another guy like this that you see the potential is really exciting, especially with the uncertainty of that position. So we'll step aside, we'll get a break, we'll be right back. We got more with Isaiah Hole from Lockdown Wolverines right after this. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Ram Station, we are back third and final segment. We've got Isaiah Hole with us from Locked On Wolverines. As I mentioned before on the podcast, we've got NBA, we've got MLB, we've got a Locked On Dodgers that is off and running, doing great. We've got NCAA. Go check these podcasts out. Listen about these draft prospects before they get to the NFL. They're covering all bunch of great stuff out there. Isaiah, where can everyone find you? on social media or any other outlets that you're putting up some content. 
you can find me at Isaiah Hole, I-S-A-I-A-H-H-O-L-E on Twitter. Uh, same on Instagram as well. Uh, lots of uh, lots of Michigan related content uh, on Wolverine's Wire, which is the site that I run for USA Today. That's at wolverineswire.usatoday.com. Uh, obviously, Locked On Wolverines, which you can find and you know anywhere you can find the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, all of the above. So uh, yeah, lots lots of different avenues in which you can get Wolverines content uh, from me and some of the some of my cohorts that I have uh, working with me. Well, go check it out because Isaiah, I, I'm a an avid listener of you because obviously I'm a big Wolverines fan. So as I'm doing work, I've got you in the background. I also listen to a lot of Locked On Cubs. Grew up in the Midwest, kind of have that connection, and then obviously run into Lockdown Rams out here. So, guys, go give a listen. Check out all the podcasts on the network, as well as what Isaiah is doing out there. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit more about, you know, the Big Ten, about Michigan as a whole, and, and maybe a little bit on how this draft could have fallen. So, seven players from the Big Ten were taken in the first round. Pretty cool. Obviously, we know uh, that was kind of studded out by Nick Bosa at number two. But we had Devin Bush and Rashad Gary coming out at 10 and 11, respectively. Um, and then as we go into later rounds, and we saw Chase Winovich, which who I'm a big fan of and was really hoping that the Rams took interest into him because we were kind of in, you know, I don't want to say desperate need, but everyone's looking for more edge presence. And we know what we've got in Aaron Donald right at the middle, but he needed some help. Uh, he went two picks before us to New England Patriots, who we flopped picks with a lot in that draft. And then we selected David Long. Uh, if you are the Rams and you're sitting there and let's say you had an opportunity to take Chase over David, uh, who would you have picked? Or do you think the Rams did it right out of those two players uh, going with David Long? That's a really hard one. I, I mean, I think the Rams probably got it right just for the sake of Chase is an extremely good player and it was kind of strange that he fell into the third round. He was slated as an ob- absolute obvious second round guy. So the Patriots really kind of lucked out by getting him in the third. Uh, and he's more than just a try hard guy. He's everyone says he, that's what, you know, he's a, he's a guy that, that really is just someone that goes out there and tries his best. And that's why he's so good, but no, he's got the athleticism and everything to go along with that, but he does have a motor that doesn't stop. I do think that David was probably the right pick. Uh, I'd been reading a little bit uh, of Eric Sondheimer from the LA times in the lead up to the draft uh, with over the last couple months uh, actually. And he had been constantly lobbying for David to be able to come home because he saw the same kind of stuff that I did is, is that he is a guy that takes away your ability to throw the ball anywhere near him, especially if you have any kind of good safety play, Michigan like to run these trap coverages with him and Josh Metellus, and they would really confuse the heck out of, uh, any other team that was really attempting to throw, they might think that they were throwing at Josh Metellus and then suddenly David Long comes out of nowhere and tips the ball or Metellus tips the ball to David Long or something of that nature. But I don't think you could go wrong, honestly, with either of them, because I think Chase has constantly been an underrated guy. He was a four-star recruit as well, just like David was, but he didn't have the same kind of accolades. David was an Army All-American uh, Chase, I don't believe, got that type of invite. He was a linebacker coming out of high school in Pennsylvania, and he didn't find what he was going to do until his third year, really, uh, being in the program because he was uh, came in as a linebacker. They switched him to tight end and then fullback, and then uh, he just fought to try to get onto special teams. And he finally, after writing a letter to John Baxter, the uh, special teams coach uh, 
who was now at USC, but he was at uh, he was with Michigan for Harbaugh's first year in 2015. Finally got to be on the uh, just on special teams, and that allowed him to make the the pitch to say, "Hey, why why don't I bulk up and become a defensive end?" and and we saw what his he was able to do uh, at that position. Now, I would also credit Rashawn Gary for helping him out there because Rashawn Gary, who ended up going number 12 to the Green Bay Packers, he uh, commanded a lot of double and triple teams. But even when when Gary was out, uh, which he was out for a pretty long stretch this year, uh, especially in the three uh, game gauntlet that Michigan had, uh, he didn't come back until the third one. They had to play against Wisconsin and then Penn State, or sorry, Michigan State. And then he finally came back for the Penn State game. Chase still managed to have the type of production that you would hope. And he's a, he's a leader. He's the type of guy that you really want in your locker room and might be a little quirky, but he's just, he's got all of the physical tools that you want at uh, 256 pounds, six, three. Uh, but then yeah, on top of that, you know, he, like I said, he has a motor that doesn't quit. So I don't think the Rams did wrong there, but Chase is going to be a heck of a player, and it's kind of scary to think that he ended up at New England of all places. Ugh, I know, man. It's killing me. That was one of the things. Obviously, being a fan, I want to see him in a place that you know I can get excited a little bit about him, and New England is not one of those places. You know, <laughs> Obviously, just coming off of that Super Bowl and seeing them you know, continue to build players that fit their mold so well as far as just the story you just told us about you know, how he got onto special teams and even getting a position at DN. I mean, that's just kind of feels like it, it was meant to be in, in a progression to go with, you know, a hardworking team like New England Patriots who seem to always get it right in the draft. They always seem to do really well in the draft. And I really just wanted to see him, you know, out of selfish reasons out here in L.A. being a Michigan fan, but also to see that hair line up on the other side of Clay Matthews and just see these two blonde guys just freaking out with Aaron Donald coming to the middle. It just felt like that was going to be really cool to watch, but it's not the case. We obviously are really excited about who we got and David Long, and excited to see how he can grow out here. And, and as you look at all the, the draft prospects that come out, I want to say it was five people from Michigan taken. Uh, yeah. We had two in the first round, two in the third round, and then Zach Gentry, which he was 141 overall. Out of those guys, who do you think, and this is you know pure pick em at this point, but who do you think will have the best NFL career? Um, I, I'm pretty high on David, but I think the edge would have to go to Devin Bush, who was the, the Pittsburgh Steelers moved up from number 20 to get him at number 10. Bush is just a freak of nature. Uh, he really tried to sell the fact that he's hashtag undersized right. going into the draft because he's, you know, he's like five ten and, and everything. A lot of people really doubted his diminutive stature, but again, you look at the production, Michigan's defense was predicated in the last two years based off of having Devin Bush there to clean up anything and everything. Uh, they didn't have to have, I mean, they had the, the guys in the, in the back, you know, the, the particularly the two corners, but sometimes the safety play wasn't as good as it could have been. It's gotten better. Uh, Josh Metellus has really come into his own over the last uh, year or maybe even two, but anything that would go wrong up front or behind Devin Bush was kind of there to be able to be a missile uh, at a has amazing sideline to sideline range. I still laugh because Bleacher Reports NFL writer, uh, he he was doing like his little draft evaluation of potential first round guys before the combine. And he said the biggest knock on Devin Bush is that he doesn't have sideline to sideline range, which is funny because that's what he is known for. Right. He's known for being this 
fast guy, at, but he can do everything. He's not just a speed guy. I mean, he ran, uh, he ran a four four as well in in the combine as at his size as being a you know pretty bulky like two hundred and thirty two hundred forty pound type dude, and but you know he can shoot the gap and he can get sacks. He can do all that cleanup stuff as the middle linebacker that you hope he can, you know, you can think that you've got an opening running a counter play. I think the, 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 one of the big ones was against Michigan state this past year. They didn't, they were, I think got something like 15 some yards rushing in that game. They had 94 total yards. That part I'm completely sure of yeah. 94 total yards of offense against Michigan. But I remember it was like the second play from scrimmage LJ Scott got the ball, ran a counter play out towards the, uh, out towards the boundary and he got like seven or eight yards at first, but Devin Bush came and hit him seemingly out of nowhere when it looked like he had all this green ahead of him. And that's the type of thing that he is able to do. Uh, he's known for his penchant for hard hitting. So he's going to really wow people by the fact that he, you don't want to get hit by Devin Bush. It, his freshman year when he came in in spots, he kind of did it with reckless abandon. It led to some borderline targeting type penalties. But he really reined it in. He's a smart player. He really knows what he's doing. I mean, he comes from NFL lineage with uh, Devin Bush Sr. having been uh, a national champion with Florida State. And he bounced around the NFL. He was one of the best safeties in the country when he was in the NFL. So he has that lineage. He has that parentage that kind of has informed him on how to be a productive player. I mean, he was only a three-star coming out of out of high school. Flanagan high school. So that kind of shows what his ability was. The fact that he became a star player, the best linebacker in the big 10 conference won the Butkus linebacker award and, and uh Butkus Fitzgerald linebacker award, as well as the defensive player of the year award uh, for the big 10. I mean, it, it's going to be hard to stop that guy. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And when you, when you're drafted as a linebacker by the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially if they're going to do something uncharacteristic and move up the way they did, right to go and get a guy like that, that kind of tells you all you need to know about what his potential and his promise is going to be. I think he's going to be barring injury. Uh, and he was pretty durable while he was at Michigan. I, I think that Devin Bush is going to be a absolute monster of a star in the NFL for, you know, 10 years, at least. I mean, that, that's, that's saying something because we all know that uh, the NFL stands for not for long, right. but Bush has all of those characteristics that, I mean, I wanted, I'm not even a Lions fan, but I really wanted the Lions to take him because it's like, all right, that completely changes your defense. And we saw what happened when Michigan was without him in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Devin Bush was uh, didn't play, sat out. Uh, he had an injury from the Ohio State game. Don't know for sure if that's what kept him out or if he was just trying to preserve his draft stock. But uh, where, where Florida was able to attack Michigan was everywhere Devin Bush wasn't, oh. which was anywhere. So that game was tough to watch. Yeah. I actually was down in Atlanta, went and saw that game live and it started out. Okay. And then you're right. They just, I mean, they just ran the ball over them. They threw it across the middle. They literally found, like you said, anywhere that Devin Bush was not, there was a hole. They weren't used to that being there and they took full advantage of it, but a great fit in Pittsburgh. You talked about uh, what an awesome fit. And I totally agree with you there. And in fact, all the Michigan guys really have great fits. I mean, getting Gary to green Bay, they need to really build the, rebuild that defense. Uh, you know, he's getting with, he's got Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the ball, New England. We talked about chase and that fit. Obviously, we're really excited about David Long out here. And then Pittsburgh got another awesome 
uh, you know, pick up with tight end uh, Zach Gentry. So, you know, all Michigan players are really seem to find a really good home. Uh, we'll see how they do coming up. And my last question to kind of lead this is basically a lot of great talent left Michigan. What's next year look like this coming year for Michigan Wolverines? And can they get over that hump and beat Ohio State? I've decided that I'm no longer going to pick Michigan to beat Ohio State <laughs> because I've, I've done it twice it in the last four years. And yeah, it, it's I, I might have even done it three times. Actually, I have done it three times in the last four years. Only in 2017 did I did I say that they weren't going to do it. And they looked like they were going to for most of that game, which is unbelievable. But uh, I, I mean, I think you, they've got a lot going for them. I'm just there's a lot of question marks at certain positions that has me curious, but the good news is the question marks are mostly on defense. And we've seen that even when there's question marks on defense, 2017 comes to mind, they replaced 10 starters. Now, granted, we knew that uh, we knew that Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich were going to be really good because as backups, they were really, really good in 2016. Uh, but you know, we didn't know how good Devin Bush was going to be, for instance, as a middle linebacker. Uh, he had played mostly from the will position. Uh, in the year before, and they're you know, they're breaking in everybody except for Mike McRae, who was the will, the starting will uh, that in 2017. So right now it's like okay, now they have a, a defensive line that has a you know they lose those two guys on the edge. The they weren't getting a ton of push in the middle last year, but you've got guys that are coming up like Michael Dwumfor and Donovan Jeter and uh, Carlo Kemp in the middle. Uh, a lot of you know a lot of potential for guys like Quiddy Pay uh, and Aiden Hutchinson, who's the son of Chris Hutchinson, who was an All-American for Michigan as a defensive end back in the early 90s. Uh, and then you got a guy like Josh Uche, who's a Swiss Army knife. We saw a lot of him last year. He led the team in sacks. He's a Sam linebacker, but he can line up at defensive end. The middle, uh, I, I look at uh, Josh Ross. It's going to be his show now. And every time I start to feel like, well, Josh Ross is in Devin Bush, I remind myself, 2016, they had the top defense in the country with Ben Gedeon as the the middle right. linebacker. Now Ben Gedeon went to you know in the fourth round to the Minnesota Vikings, but I think that was even a surprise to pretty much everybody. They should be solid in in the secondary, uh, pretty much top to bottom. Uh, David Long's replacement, Ambry Thomas, is uh, the fastest guy on the team. He's a guy that I've been told time and time again from the people who have coached and coached against him. Uh, in the high school level that they think he's going to be better than some of the other guys that they coached like Jordan Lewis and Lavert Hill. So a lot of potential there. And when you look at the offense, because they brought in Josh Gaddis to be the new offensive coordinator, uh, that's exciting because Michigan's moving to what they call a pro spread. They're going no huddle. It's obviously a lot faster. I could feel that being on the sidelines at the spring game. I couldn't just lackadaisically move from one first right. time marker to the other. I had to run. So, I think that was that's been the kind of knock over the last couple of years is they've had the defense. They just haven't had the offense and the offense was pretty good last year, but they kept the training wheels on. Uh, they didn't really ask Shea Patterson to do the types of things that he's clearly capable of doing that. We saw him do at Ole Miss. They had him be more of a traditional pocket style passer that occasionally would or could run uh, a lot of speculation. There was going to be a lot of RPO in the offense and it just didn't really matriculate. But this year, that's the staple of it. So if the offense can match the defense and if the defense can do the types of things that we've seen them do and reload with Don Brown at the helm, it could be a really scary team to contend with. Uh, thankfully, most of their really big games are at home. Their first, I mean, they, their first test is going to be against army, which is not exactly a 
easy non-conference game just because it's a armed forces school. I mean, they're going to come in and they're going to do their triple option. I mean, they took Oklahoma to overtime right. last year at Oklahoma, but then they go on the road. Uh, they have a bye week. They go on the road to Wisconsin. Even though there's a ton of question marks with what Wisconsin's able to do, it's still Camp Randall. It's still a very difficult place to play, but they've got they've got to go to Happy Valley for a whiteout. Uh, but who knows who even the quarterback at Penn State's even going to be? Uh, and they've lost Miles Sanders as well, so a lot of question marks there. So the teams that don't have question marks are pretty much at home. Notre Dame, uh, weirdly in the middle or late October, October 24th, I believe. And uh, Michigan State should be better just by virtue of they don't really stay down for very long. They'll be coming to the big house and Ohio State comes up to Michigan. And I think that that's what you hope for. And who knows what these this Buckeyes team is going to look like, considering that it's Ryan Day's show, not Urban yeah. Myers anymore. And it's kind of hard to live up to a guy like Urban Meyer. I don't care if you're the heir apparent. You can sit there and say, well, he's going to be Lincoln Riley. But until we see it for sure, it's a little hard to predict. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and it, it Michigan always keeps it interesting. They always seem to have, you know, right there near the top, right when that last game of the season comes around with Ohio State. You mentioned it hasn't gone our way in the past, you know, handful of years. So hopefully this year is the year to kind of break through, get a really big bowl game, maybe get into that Final Four and see what they can make a push. If that offense, like you mentioned, can pick it up, that defense has been known to just, like you said, replace, rebuild, and just dominate on that side of the ball. So should be interesting. But I appreciate your time coming on, talking to us about our new cornerback, uh, David Long, talking about all the prospects, talking about Michigan's outlook. So, guys, make sure to go give him a follow on Twitter. Reach out to him, Isaiah Hole. Check out Lockdown Wolverines. Uh, we appreciate it. And we'll be in touch. Hopefully, uh, we'll be talking big things with Michigan and with David Long. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right, Rams Nation. You know what it is. Until next time. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.